0: I should have been a bass player. <laughs> oh I, well, I am a bass player, and <laughs> as long as I can imitate the bass, I'm doing it. Well, friends, welcome to part three of yours Turley, Johnny Dollar. This week we've been listening to the Molly K Matter. This is our Wednesday edition, part three, the Molly K Matter, originally heard on October twelfth of nineteen fifty-five. Oh, I can't wait to get to this one, friends. Let's get to it right now. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, part three, right here, right now.
1: From Hollywood,
0: it's time now for Bob
1: Bailey as... Johnny Dollar. This is Dules Martin. Lieutenant Martin? Yeah, that's right. I got a message you called while I was out and left this number. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the McCormick case, Lieutenant. McCormick? burglary out on Long Island back in 1951. Uh, I was the officer in charge? Who are you? Insurance investigator. I got a tip that an ex-convict named Joe Panny might have pulled it. I'm at Panny's hotel. Well, let me know how you make out. Say, listen, his room's been torn apart. Every inch of it's been searched. And when I came here tonight, I got socked by a woman with a gun. Give me that address. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Allied Casualty and Insurance Company Limited, Markham Building, Hartford, Connecticut... The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the McCormick matter. Expense account, item seven, two dollars, two drinks. For myself and Lieutenant Dules Martin, NYPD. A big swarthy man who seemed to know what he was about. Martin looked over the damage done by the unknown ransacker of Joe Panny's room, questioned the clerk who was unable to furnish any helpful information. Then, because Joe Panny was officially a parole violator, ordered a general pickup. We should be able to get our hands on him pretty soon, Dollar. I hope it's that easy, Lieutenant. Any reason why it shouldn't be fairly routine? No, just a feeling, I guess. I don't know. This whole matter has been flimsy. The tip was weak, but it seems to be paying off. Nothing fits, though. I don't quite get all this, Dollar. How'd you come in on this? Old Mike Cairn died up at Sing Sing two days ago. Before he went, he told me he believed Joe Panny might have pulled the McCormick burglary. It didn't seem likely then, Panty being a small-time auto thief and whatnot. But now it does, in view of what's been happening lately. Somebody sure wants something Panny might have, judging from that room. I never saw one taken apart better, an expert search job. Yeah. Hey, Lieutenant, when you pick Joe Panny up, I'd like to be in on it. He's my only lead in this case, and I want to talk to him again. And That's not asking too much. Now, Dollar, about this woman you saw... Pretty, about 30, dark hair, good dresser, wore a silver mink stole... The gun she socked me with was a little one, a twenty-five or maybe thirty-two automatic. Mm Mm-hmm. You think she might have done the searching in Joe's room? What do you think? She was flustered and upset when I bumped into her, anxious to get away from the place. And, of course, the gun in her hand. Yeah. She sound familiar to you in this neighborhood? No, no. Could be anybody. Yeah. Well, that's about it, Lieutenant. Yeah? No, I got it. Oh, Thanks. I suppose you talked to McCormick, got the full story of the burglary from him. Almost first thing, yeah. I remember him when it first happened. Nice enough, but strange, I thought. This business about somebody phoning the parole office ahead of you to get Joe Panny's address that stops me, though. That's hard to figure. You sure you're telling me everything? Sure, I'm sure. That part sounds crazy. Not if somebody knew I was looking for him, wanted to get him first. But who? How should I know? Well, we'll see what we will see. Uh, Can I drop you anywhere? No, thanks. I'll walk you let me know when you pick him up. Sure. Two days passed and I didn't hear from Lieutenant Martin. I finally phoned in and a supplementary had turned up, no leads. Martin had men watching Joe's hotel. His former friends and acquaintances were being checked. Meanwhile, I decided to try and find out who the dark woman in the first stole had been. It seemed pretty obvious that she had just come from Joe's room that she knew him or was connected with him in some way. So once more, I combed over Joe Panny's file at headquarters, this time looking for a woman's name. The only one mentioned was an ex-wife who had divorced him six years before. Her name was Iris Carter. At the Bureau of Vital Statistics, the marriage certificate and record of divorce proceedings gave me a composite picture of an unhappy and turbulent three-year marriage. It also gave me a general description of Iris Carter that could very well fit the woman I'd seen briefly in the hallway outside Joe Panny's hotel room. There was a six-year-old address to start on. Eunice? Is that
2: you, Eunice? I said, is that you, Eunice?
1: No, ma'am, I'm not Eunice. Oh,
2: no, you sure ain't. You seen her? I don't
1: know. I really don't know her.
2: Oh. Well, what do you want?
1: I'd like to talk to the manager. I want some information.
2: What's your name? Johnny Dollar. What kind of information are you looking for?
1: Are you the manager?
2: Yes, sir, I am.
1: Well, I'm trying to locate a woman named Iris Carter. She might have used the name Iris Panny. She was married once to a man named Joe Panny. Lived here about six years ago. Were you here then? I was. Did you know her? I did. Did you know him?
2: Yeah. He went to jail.
1: Does she live here now? She don't. Do you have any idea where I can find her? I don't. Well, uh, do you happen to know if she ever Why do worked or... here? Just to talk to her. When did she move out?
2: Oh, long time ago. Five years, maybe. Huh? What's your business? Insurance. Oh. <laughs> well, what's up? Oh, nobody around here buys insurance.
1: <laughs> well, we don't have to go into that. If you can think of any place I might get a line on her, I'd appreciate it.
2: It seems to me she worked at a bookstore down the street.
1: Down what street?
2: Out there. Block or two down that way. I think she worked there. I don't know. You can try.
1: Thank you. I will.
2: Why, you're polite. You tip your hat.
1: Say, so tell me, do you remember what she looked
2: like? Sort of. Yeah. Well? Oh, about as tall as I am. Nice. Pretty girl.
1: Blonde or brunette?
2: Dark hair. Almost Black.
1: Know any of her friends when she lived here?
2: No. No, I couldn't tell you that. Why?
1: Oh, I might look up one of them and ask her about her, that's all.
2: You ask at that bookstore. I think she worked there.
1: The bookstore Iris Carter Penny had worked in was as dismal as the neighborhood. The proprietor, Mrs. Olds, yielded a little more helpful information than Iris Carter's former landlady. Yes, Iris had worked there for about six months. She'd quit almost five years before. No, she didn't know where to find her. Expense account, item eight, one dollar and two cents, lunch. I had it in a neighborhood diner called The Showboat, a place where Mrs. Oles said Iris Carter had frequently eaten. The restaurant manager remembered Iris vaguely. She also remembered Iris' boyfriend. I asked for a description... She did better than that. She gave me his name, occupation, and address. An old rehearsal hall two blocks away. The five-man combo working there was really putting it out. Yeah. And the minute I saw him, I knew the boy wearing the trumpet was the one I was looking for. Just good-looking and smooth enough to go with a girl Iris Carter sounded like. Smooth trumpet, too.
3: Okay, guys. Take five.
1: I'm looking for Jack Lang. You found him. I'm Johnny Dollar. Could we talk a minute? That's about all I got, Mr. Dollar.
3: Want to smoke? Pill. No, Thanks. Oh, man. Gets real tired out about this time of day. Yeah, imagine it does, the way you put it out. Huh? Well, everybody to his own racket.
1: <clears throat> What's yours? Insurance investigating. Okay. Now what? Well, I've been asking around the neighborhood, and they tell me you once knew a girl named Iris Carter or Iris Panny. Iris Carter. Go on. I'd like to find her and talk to her, and I thought you might be able to help me. Go on. I want to talk to her ex-husband most of all. I thought somehow she might know where to find him these days. He's in the can. He was released three weeks ago. No. Any ideas?
3: No. I thought finding her might be a shortcut to him. I wouldn't think so. They were all washed up when I knew her. When was that? Five years ago. She hadn't seen him for over a year then. Uh Uh-huh. She didn't have much use for him. I don't blame her. How long did you know her? No... We went together for a while while she worked at some crummy bookstore. And she moved away, and I didn't see her after that. I think she said something about going back to Ohio. You think? I don't remember offhand. Well, let me put it this way.
1: As far as I know, she's in no trouble. The one we want is her ex-husband. You'd be
3: helping a lot if you could tell me where to find her. I don't know. I honestly don't know, and I sure wish I did. I'd like to find her myself. Why? Well, when she went with me, I... Well, wasn't any good. I think she just walked out because she was tired of losers. Sick up to here, you know what I mean? Can't blame her. He gave her a pretty bad time. I didn't do much better. But now I got something. It's this little five-piece outfit. Not much, but something. I'd like to show it to her and say, Iris, this is mine. You kind of had it bad, huh? Bad as a guy like me can get it. I know I'll probably never see her again as long as I live, but boy, if another one like her ever shows up, I'm going to be ready, Dad. Ever see her? No, she must have been something. Yeah. Take a look. Nice, huh? Yeah. I take it back. What back?
1: About seeing her. I've seen her. When? Where? Two nights ago in the hallway outside Joe Panny's room. You sure? I'm sure. She hit me with a gun before she left. The picture he had flipped out of his wallet was old and well-thumbed. It showed a sultry kind of face that could have been 20 or 30 or 40. A wide, frank, smiling, happy mouth... Not the kind of girl I would imagine could ever be married to a Joe Panny. But there was no doubt about it. She had been married to him, and I had seen her. On my way back to the hotel, I dropped in to check with Lieutenant Martin. Hi. Hi. Doing any good? Any lead on Joe Panny? Nothing so far. This may take longer than I thought at first. Well, I've been out looking for his ex-wife. I didn't find her, but I found a few people who knew her... She was the one at his hotel the other night. Name's Iris Carter. You sure? Positive. I saw her picture. We better try to pick her up, too. I'll put it out right away. Fine. Well, I'll keep in touch. Uh, wait a minute. Don't go. Huh? We had some action here today. Sit down. Thanks. Julian McCormick called up, reported you. He said you came out there bothering him a couple days ago. He said he doesn't want to be bothered. Well, I only talked to him to get his story on the burglary. And I told him as long as you didn't break the law, there was nothing we could do to stop you from investigating. But he didn't like it. He seemed perfectly willing to cooperate with me when I talked to him before. Yeah, well, sometime these rich... Excuse me. Martin here. That's right. Well, how long ago? Okay. Well, they found your boy, Joe Penny. What? Yeah. He's on his way to the morgue. Harbor Patrol picked up his body a couple of hours ago. Loaded down with slugs. Some case. And that ain't all, Johnny. Huh? His feet were burnt. Here's our star, Bob Bailey, to tell you about tomorrow's episode. Thanks. Tomorrow, a phase of this case that ought to be called the Talking Corpse. For believe me, this one said plenty. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
0: Hello friends, your humble host, with you, we just heard part three, our Wednesday edition of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The McCormick Matter, from October 5th, 1955, they have the Wednesday edition of Johnny Dollar, you're listening to our Monday through Friday editions of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, this is when Johnny Dollar did the short shows, about 14 minutes each, of the uh, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar series. They went from a weekly half-hour program to a daily 14- or 15-minute program. And that's where we're listening to the very start of the 15-minute daily Johnny Dollars. And we figure they started it that way, we'll start it that way here on Sounds Like Radio. It was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. Tomorrow, join us for the Thursday Part 4 edition of Johnny Dollar and The McCormick Matter. Till then, I am your humble host, saying so long for now. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, I love it when he wails that thing like that. Woo. Yeah.